you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky back with you. Buck, how you doing, man? Man, I'm good. Had a great uh, Monday night football uh, watching, I guess, watch session. I guess that's what we call it when I laid up and watched <laughs> the Giants and the Cowboys, which was uh, an interesting game. I don't know how intended it was, but it was an interesting game to watch. Yeah, we've had some clunkers, I feel like. Some of these primetime games have been kind of clunkers. We're going to get into this one. We'll break it down. We'll talk about what we saw and uh, what to expect from these two teams going forward. Uh, some other ground we're going to cover today. Also, hit on Kyler Murray. Uh, talk about some desperate teams. So we got a lot of different places we're going to go today. But I, I kind of want to go off script here to start it off, but because I had just seen this story, I think, late last night. Um, and I, in talking to you before we got cranked up, you, you were aware of it before I was. But the Eagles and their big win over the Commanders, uh, the game was what it was. But to me, I thought the, the story that came out of that about Nick Sirianni and the video that he showed his team before they were to go play their former teammate Carson Wentz was a fascinating story. Um, I'll let you go ahead and run with it. But it was about Kobe Bryant. Obviously, as Philadelphia ties, was a big Eagles fan. Um, but Kobe Bryant, before uh, the Redeem team, as they were called, uh, in the Olympics, and they were getting ready to play his teammate, Pau Gasol, in Greece, and his uh, his speech to the team and his actions in that game, Buck, that story was unbelievable. Really unbelievable, DJ, because it speaks to the level of competitiveness that you need to bring to the table each week. So in the story, you watch the clip. It's LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh talking about Kobe Bryant and how Kobe Bryant says before the game, Hey, I know the first play. The first play is going to end with Pau Gasol setting a screen in the middle of the paint. I am going to run through the middle of his chest and set a statement. <laughs> and um, you have LeBron James being like, you're not going to do that. That's your teammate from the Lakers. You're not going to do that. Dwayne Wade is like, you're crazy. No way. And sure enough, they run the play like Kobe says. And when they have the, the natural sound, whew, I mean, he hit Pau Gasol like a – a free safety patrolling the middle of the field, and he drills Pagasol to the point that Chris Bosch says he's standing beside him like, oh, my gosh. But what it did was it set the tone for how the team was going to play. And I just think it's fascinating that Nick Sirianni took that moment to let the team know, like, hey, Carson Wentz has done some great things here. He was a part of a Super Bowl team and all of that. But we got to put all that to the side. And if we have to go through him to get it done, then we have to go through him. So hats off to Nick Sirianni, but even bigger, hats off to the late Kobe Bryant because that is a lesson in being the ultimate competitor <laughs> and just getting it done. Yeah, I mean, he said that literally the words were, this is my brother. Pau Gasol is my brother. He's my teammate. Not today. Uh, not today, he's not. And and he did. I mean, it, you, you described it well. It was like a free safety. It was like watching six foot six Bob Sanders, like a missile right through Pau. And, and, and Pau talked about how Kobe went over to his apartment 
uh, over there uh, during the Olympics and met his teammates and stuff. And he's like, I looking back on it, I think he was just trying to soften us up. Like he was, it was a mind game type thing with Kobe Bryant. But I thought, look, you know, there's different ways to try and motivate your team. And some people say, ah, oh, some, you know, t-shirts and slogans are kind of hokey. I was like, man, that was right on. That was the perfect message for their team because Carson Wentz, for, you know, I know fans of Philadelphia don't really care for him and, and you know, he's struggled and people have their critiques of him as a player. As a teammate, most of those guys really, really liked him. He has a lot of close friends um, on that team. So that was a good message to uh, put that to the side for one afternoon. Uh, one other thing I want to hit on, Buck, uh, off, off schedule before we get back to the rundown here. I tweeted this out the other day. I was watching some film this morning. Maybe the third time I had seen this. Yeah. And I thought, okay, this is a good scouting lesson. We need to talk about it on the on the pod because we've talked about it the last few years that the days of the cover corner and I get paid to cover, I don't get paid to tackle, you know, those are over. You see mm-hmm. it every week. If you have a liability at corner who is not willing and, and not able as a tackler, these play callers and these play designers are going to put him in force positions and they're going to undress him in front of 70,000 people. And I, I've seen it. I'm seeing it all the time now. You can't hide anymore out there. No, you can't hide anymore. Um, you have to be able to tackle. You have to be able to tackle. And even though the league is trending towards becoming a passing league where they're throwing the ball all over the yard, you still have to be able to tackle in space because we're seeing these bubble screens and quick swing plays to running backs and all of these really high completion percentage but short passes go for big games because guys cannot make tackles and what offensive coordinators are doing is they're testing your corner's ability to tackle over and over and over again and if they can't tackle it makes for a long day and as much as i love the guys who can cover you have to be complete players you just can't have guys out there who are just covering and not making plays in the run game because it eventually will get you exposed And it's only going to get worse later in the year because early part of the year, everyone throws it. Mm. When you get closer to the playoffs, teams begin to run the football. And so you'll see those issues become glaring issues if you don't get them solved early. Yeah, you can't hide anymore. Um, Just one little thing I want to throw out there because in in the scouting reports as we're doing these guys, uh, their evaluations leading into the draft, you used to be kind of that's just like a little sidebar. Okay, cover, athleticism, find the ball, play the ball, bing, bang, bing. And it's like, ah, he's okay as a tackle. Like, no, 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 that's – that's moved up in level of importance. I mean, you've got to be able to cover young and get on the field. That's first and foremost. But amongst that group of guys that can cover, man, that's a heck of a tiebreaker because you don't want to get caught out there with, A, a little dude who doesn't want to, doesn't want to tackle. You're going to get exposed. So, anyways, that was my uh, soapbox. I'll jump off. No, no, you, you have to be able to tackle. If you can't tackle, you don't have a chance. And so when you look around the league and you look at the teams that play well, uh, let's talk about the Buffalo Bills on defense. They tackle well. They tackle well mm-hmm. from – one to 11, everyone on the field is a solid tackling. So uh, tackling is a lot of want to and a little bit of how to. It's a lot of want to. Yep. You got to want to make people uh, make contact to get people to the ground. And if you want to, then we certainly can teach you how to. But if you don't have that want to, man, it's hard to put you on the field because you become a huge liability. No doubt. All right. On a much less entertaining topic, what did you think of the game last night? What was your biggest takeaways from uh, from Giants-Cowboys? Not the prettiest. <clears throat> Uh, not the prettiest, but I would give the Cowboys credit. I would give Mike McCarthy credit because the first couple of years in Dallas, people have taken him to task for not being a great coach, right? They've talked about he's kind of been exposed, maybe it was Aaron Rodgers and all this stuff. I believe the last two weeks, I think I have a greater appreciation for the coaching job that he has done. The way that the Cowboys are playing, they're playing complimentary ball, leaning on the defense, the running game, selective playmaking, not as risky 
on offense, and it's worked out for him. This is something that I didn't know that they had in their bag, the ability to play complementary football where you need all three phases to work as one. The Cowboys have done it. I mean, this is something that they hadn't done the first two years of Mike McCarthy's tenure. So hats off to him for getting the team to buy into playing team football. Yeah, I think it's a great example, too, uh, to teams around the league. You know, there's going to be injuries. Uh, every team has them. And you're out there with your backup quarterback, and you're finding ways to get to the winner's circle. So don't make excuses. Um, just find a way. Figure it out. And and if you got to step up, some of the players got to step up around him. Uh, you got to step up in terms of how you're going to design and attack and protect. Um, no, I, I loved it. I, I loved it from that standpoint. And again, if we want to flip it over to the other side real quick before we get to, to Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, I've, I feel like a broken record here, but I, how, do you, how could you know what you have? You got no shot. I, I don't care who you are. And Tua is the, is the great example. We've seen Tua mm -hmm. pre, pre weapons and pre, you know, having a, a system that works and, uh, you know, and competence in front of him along the offensive line. You've seen Tua go to a whole nother level. I like Brian, Brian Dayball. He's, he's, he's doing his best to try and give Daniel Jones a chance. They had so many drop passes on key downs, on big-time throws. He got absolutely heated up. I, the, I guess the uh, – I think it was the PFF or next-gen stats. The, the pressure numbers were as high as any game this year. I mean, it was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I'm looking on, on ESPN.com just on theirs, and they have 12 QB hits um, the Dallas Cowboys had on defense, and they heated him up much more than that. So, I don't know. I mean – Maybe uh, you know, maybe Joe Shane, our buddy, and, and Brian Dayball, they want to go shopping for a different quarterback this offseason. I don't know how. I, you don't even know what this guy is. How can you evaluate him? Yeah, no, it is a very tough situation, particularly based on the way the offensive line played uh, last oh, night. Evan Neal couldn't, couldn't, couldn't rough night at the office. Yeah, Evan Neal had a tough time. They, they, they couldn't keep uh, the Cowboys off of <laughs> Daniel Jones. And if you're uncomfortable in the pocket and you don't have dependable receivers on the perimeter – it just makes it hard for any quarterback. And I don't care how great the quarterback is. If you can't protect him and you guys can't catch the passes, what's the point? And so yeah. the Giants have really a tough decision to make on Daniel Jones because you almost want to give him an incomplete because you just don't know what he is because you haven't seen enough of him in a, I would say, a credible offense to know whether you can or can't play. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's gonna be tricky. And hats off to them for being two and one at this point in time with what they're playing with to be two and one. Uh, that's impressive uh, what the Giants have done. Uh, all right, let's get Kyler Murray here real quick. Been an up and down, uh, up and down start to the season, and and just when you look at him, where he is in his career, just thought it'd be interesting to just kind of take the pulse a little bit here. What's your uh, what's your feeling on where Kyler Murray is at this point in time? You know, it's it's really been a bit of a roller coaster ride. Uh, a couple of years ago, I mean, last year, he had the best year of his career when you look at the numbers. Passer rating well over 100, uh, com completed at an alarming rate, did a great job of kind of getting this offense going. But down the stretch, he's unavailable. Uh, kind of the team fades fast. He's not able to kind of get them jump started when you see him rejoin the team again in the postseason. So here's what we have. We have a very talented player, a player who certainly was worthy of being number one overall, a player who's got in the bag. But now you have to figure out how do I build the team around a player like him because he's not really a time and rhythm player. He's a, he's yeah. a sandlot creator who has big time ability and he's always played in these wide open offenses. I just wonder what it would be like if he got up on the center some and did some of the old traditional Shanahan, Mike LaFleur, Mike McDaniel, whatever kind of offense you want to call that 
where you took some of the pressure off him having to create and put it on the play caller, creating opportunities because this dude is talented. Uh, it just hasn't clicked. The offense just hasn't clicked for him yet. Yeah, you kind of you kind of took the words out of my mouth. I mean, I, I was going to say I want to see, you know, can he operate in a different system in a different setup? That have we seen all that he can do? I don't want to limit him and just say he has to be in the same offense he's played at since college, since going back to Allen High School. Really, I don't know mm -hmm. that he. I don't know that he can't play in, you know, do some stuff under center. I don't know that he can't play in a different style of offense where it's not a spread and shred to steal a Bucky Brooks phrase here. Um, I, I, you know, I'd like to see, can he, can he, how does he look on a team that's maybe got a little bit more of a run game more of a, a physical, a dynamic presence in that run game. And then he can have that as, um, you know, a passing attack built more off of that run game off play action, as opposed to just, again, spread everybody out and let him try and, make some magic happen. I mean, he's he does it, you know, every couple of weeks you'll see it. Mm -hmm. He'll take a ball game over. But we've also seen him completely wear down at the end of the season. It's too much on his shoulders. I don't know. I mean, I know they all got extensions there, so nothing's going to happen. I wouldn't imagine after this year. But I'm kind of curious. I, I would like to see if Kyler Murray has a little more than we're giving him credit for in terms of his versatility. Well, that's one of the conversations that you have to have. If you're the general manager and head coach, what can we do to get more out of him? Is it a little more under center work, even though Cliff Kingsbury doesn't have a background in doing that kind of stuff? But can you put him under center, run some of the zone stretch game, then come back and run some of the RPOs that create easy opportunities for him? Uh, can we use more of the bootleg stuff? The problem is when they're so 10 personnel heavy, what running game have they built and what complementary play action pass game can they build to go with that? All of those things kind of fall into the mix. And we're talking about those things without even talking about his natural talent and his performance. Yep, no doubt. Um, anyways, it's interesting to see where they are. They're one and two right now. The one win was a miracle win against the Las Vegas Raiders. So they got to get some things figured out there in Arizona uh, if they're going to try and make a run here at the postseason. All got paid. Good for them. Everybody got paid. Uh, but we'll see if they can actually pay it off with a successful season. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about a couple desperate games. So we've got four teams, two games. They all need to win. It ain't going to happen. We'll get to that right <laughs> after this. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, let's look at some teams that are under pressure here. We've got two games here, Buck, and I, I don't want to say must win in week four, but man, uh, these teams could really use one here. We've got Chargers at Texans. We've got Titans at Colts. So really an AFC South heavy here when we're looking at these two games. But you got the Chargers uh, one and two at the 0-2-1 Texans. Uh, Texans have been competitive. Uh, tip of the cap to them for that. Still don't think it's a great football team, but this is a Chargers team that that played maybe their worst game of the year last year at Houston. They go back to the scene of the crime, see if they can get a win this time. But uh, your thoughts on this one and uh, and how desperate these teams are at this point in time? Well, the desperation is really uh, in L.A. land. Chargers. Chargers got to win. They can't fall too far behind in this race because the teams are too loaded in AFC West. Now, people talk about parity and those things. But this Chargers team has to get back on track. To me, if I'm Kevin, if I am Brandon Staley, this is about a let's put Justin Herbert in his sweet spots. Whatever plays he likes, 
What are the easy calls? It's really on us as coaches to make sure that the star quarterback is able to do the things that he does. Because this is special. That deep ball rolling out, that's special. But what you can't do is let him get beat up like he got beat up in the pocket. They have to find a way to have the running game to support the passing game so they can put points on the board. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do uh, the Chargers a favor here. Um, pulling it up here. I, I pulled up the uh, top 15 phrases uh, about excuses. Okay, Buck, <laughs> you ready? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's better to offer no excuse than a bad one. That's from George Washington. Uh, solid one. Uh, this is from Benjamin Franklin. He that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. Like that one. Mm. Uh, never make excuses. Your friends don't need them and your foes won't believe them. That's John Wooden. Uh, 99% of the failure comes from people who have the habit of making excuses. That's George Washington Carver. We're rolling right through these. We have 40, we have 40 million reasons for failure, but not a single excuse. That's from Kipling. Uh, uh, every vice has his excuse ready. Uh, and we've got, if you really want to do it, you do it. There are no excuses. Uh, a man can fail many times, but he isn't a failure until he, until he begins to blame somebody else. That's John Burroughs. Uh, we have more ability than willpower, and it's often an excuse to ourselves that we imagine that things are impossible. I'll just do 10 here. Last one. The trouble with excuses is that they become inevitably difficult to believe after they've been used a couple of times. Long story short, I know they're missing guys. I know Rashawn Slater, your all-pro tackles out. I know Justin Herbert, your star quarterback, doesn't feel good. This is the Houston Texans. You need to win this game. Absolutely. This is one where you, you can't mess around. Uh, the Chargers have given up a lot of their cushion. I mean, you talk about being able to to, to a team that we expect to be at the top of the charts is now one and two. You can't go one and three. And so to me, this game should have a playoff like atmosphere and environment, a feel. Uh, you do that, you get it up. Yep. It's a bring your own energy game, too. Uh, might not have the best atmosphere there. You got to bring your own energy to that stadium. Uh, all right. Titans, Colts, Titans one and two, Colts one, one and one. Uh, both these teams coming off big wins, though. Uh, can they keep the momentum going? Uh, the key to it, give me the one key in this game here. What do you think? Oh, it's all about the King. Uh, you got to make sure that King Henry gets enough touches to impact the offense. Derrick Henry is the guy that makes the thing go for the offense. He is the focal point. He's the workhouse. His ability to run the ball successfully between the tackles sets up play action for Ryan Tannehill. When you think about Derrick Henry, you think about the physicality and the toughness that he brings to the table. It gives them their identity. What I like about from them against the Raiders is they got back to that. Physical football team running the ball, allowing Ryan Tannehill to throw off play action. When you get those things going, that's when this team is at its best. They have to beat you up. They're not going to out-talent you. They have to beat you up. They have to make every game a street fight. Yeah, I, I look at these teams, and I just think of Michael Jackson, man in the mirror. Like they're, These are the same teams. They kind of have the same identity. They have the same goal in terms of how they want to beat you up with their running game, with their talented running backs. Uh, a defense that's fast and flies around, tries to generate some turnovers. Like, they're really mirror images of one another. Um, I think it's a huge game. Uh, to me, when I think about kind of the more desperate team, I would say uh, the Colts being at home, even though they've only, you know, they're 1-1-1, one, one, and one, but I think at home for them to kind of keep it going, keep it rolling here, I feel like this is a game uh, they really need to win. But again, two teams that are very, very similar. I think it'll be a close ball game. Looking at the quarterback battle that's going to take place between the Bills and the Ravens, Buck, this is going to be a fantastic matchup taking place in Baltimore. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, two quarterbacks playing as well as any in the league right now. I think Lamar Jackson, in terms of 
you know, what he's done throwing the football combined with now we're starting to see him run the ball a little bit more uh, and being a little bit more aggressive with his legs. I don't know that he's played better ball. A guy's won an MVP, but I don't know if he's played better than he's playing right now. No, I think this is the best that we've seen him play in terms as a complete player. The one thing that I like is people have tried to blitz him. He has countered that by really being pinpoint and precise when it comes to his ball placement in the passing game. But in the run game, DJ, I think the Baltimore Ravens have figured out that Lamar Jackson is better going downhill than going side to side. If you notice the running plays that they're running, it's more the power read stuff <clears throat> where they're blocking power, quarterback power, and they're faking the sweep to the running back. We saw them get away from that where they were trying to get him out on the edges. <clears throat> I just think he's comfortable coming right downhill at the middle of the defense, and he has a unique way of protecting himself. When he gets going like that, because we've seen, what, three 100-yard rushing games, he's throwing the ball all over the yard. To me, Lamar Jackson is playing at his – he's playing better than he played as an MVP level. Yeah, I'm not a math whiz. Um, I would, uh, full disclosure, I think it was a C pretty much every semester in math in high school, Buck. But <laughs> the, the angles are different. When you get loose on the sideline, everybody in pursuit, you go to, you know, I'm sure you guys do it at your high school practice. Every high school in the country does pursuit angles, and everybody knows what angle you need to take to try and catch the guy as he's going down the sideline. A little bit difficult to do when the guy breaks in the middle of the field. There's no, There are no angles. He, they're eliminated, and he just creases you. He makes one guy miss at the second level. Good luck. Um, they are chunk plays. and. We said this the other day, but I think he's the best quarterback I've ever seen at protecting himself in, in the middle of the field. A lot of guys get out of bounds, and you'll see guys slide when they get way out in open space. Even if he, he has some traffic in the middle of the field, 8, 10, 12 yards down, he has a way of just kind of falling back and not taking big hits. It, it is unbelievable to watch. And I think, you know, everyone should have maybe they haven't seen his high school highlights. DJ, I feel like he's doing the same thing he did in high school. And maybe because he was always – he was always skinny or lean. He always had to kind of find a way to protect himself. That's why he's so good at it now. But really, I can't remember a time that he's really taken a clean shot when he's run the ball. He does an excellent job of protecting himself. And I think it just gives a different dynamic because in the National Football League, no one is used to the, the quarterback running right up the gut. You're used to seeing him pull and run around the corner and they don't want to get hit. But to see someone that fast, that explosive coming downhill, it just—I I just think it just changes the way that you have to defend defend the game. Well, he's going to need to score a bunch of points because the team they're playing is going to put up points. Josh Allen, um, but coming off that last week against Miami, I know they're disappointed. They didn't score as much as they thought mm -hmm. they should mm -hmm. uh, on the field a ton, you know, the entire ball game, and and it just didn't get the production. Uh, that they quite wanted. Miami did a nice job of switching things up. You know, we saw some cover zero. We saw two high shell. Did a lot of different things against them. Um, I would look for Josh Allen to have a monster game against this Ravens group. Look, he he should. He should be disappointed because they left points on the field in critical situations at the end of the first half where they just kind of messed up what it was they were doing. He was supposed to clock the ball. He botched the snap and threw it out to Stephon Diggs. They run out the time. And then at the end of the game where they couldn't get it, I think anytime with Josh Allen, when they have a game like that where he doesn't play his best, he typically responds in a big way. The, the, the trick will be, though, I, I'm curious, does he decide to do more? Because I felt like they've kind of kept him away from having to be the one-man show. They've tried to kind of even it out. I wonder, after that loss, if he's like, you know, I got this. I'm going to put this on my back. I think we both know that. I think Lamar we both Jackson. know that answer. I think we both know that answer. Yeah. I, 
Yeah, I, I think this is going to be the showdown between the two quarterbacks showing the football world the new way the quarterback position is played. Absolutely. I uh, want to encourage everybody on Thursday night, you can watch the Dolphins versus the Bengals, 8.15 Eastern on Prime Video, also available on NFL+. Plus. Uh, this is a Bengals team that got right last week against the Jets. Uh, obviously, uh, you look at the Dolphins and that win over the Bills, they are riding high. Uh, it's a quick turnaround, though, uh, for the, both these teams. Uh, what do you expect here uh, on this, uh, this matchup here between Tua and Burrow? You know, I wonder, because the Dolphins are so emotional after that game with the Buffalo Bills, because that was a big game. Can you turn around and have the juice again that quickly? To me, I think it's a trap for them. Going to Cincinnati, I think Cincinnati knows that this is an opportunity for them to get all the way back. Started 0-2, can get to 2-2, national stage, national audience. The first time everybody gets to see them, I think we'll see the best performance that we've seen from the Bengals. This is a tough one for the Miami Dolphins on the road. Yeah, it's a tough one on the road, no doubt. I still think, though, you've got some firepower offensively. Uh, if you're the Dolphins, I thought last week the Jets had some opportunities. They didn't cash them in. Um, and I know, in look, every game's important. I know people don't give uh, uh, much lip service to this stuff mattering. The Tua Burrow thing, that rivalry going back to LSU, Alabama, I think that I think that is something. I think Tua would love to get this one if he could. Oh, you, you, think, you think that's a real? You think that's a real thing? I think it's real. I think it's real. They kind of took the crown from him. They, they did. I, th I think for Tua, I think all these games are big because remember, this is a national televised game, meaning all eyes are on this game. And he's heard the noise. He's had to hear the white noise. People talk about him over and over and over again. So this is an opportunity for him to kind of dispel the myths and the narratives about his game. And so what a better way to do it than to have a big game against the Bengals team that represented the AFC in the Super Bowl. So maybe you're on to something. Maybe this is a little bigger than I'm giving it in terms of how two of views are going against Joe Burrow. Yeah, no, I, it'll be uh, it'll be a fun one. Another fun one to watch is going to be the London game. Vikings-Saints live live on NFL Network on On Air uh, from Tottenham Hotspur, Hotspur Stadium, Sunday, 9.30 a.m. Eastern. So get up if you're on the West Coast, a little 6.30 kick. Got to love that. Uh, also remind you, NFL Plus is the league's new exclusive video streaming subscription service. NFL Plus has your game day covered with live, local, and primetime regular season and postseason games right on your phone or tablet. NFL Plus is available in the NFL app and at NFL.com. Subscription plans start at just $4.99 a month. Fans can visit plus.nfl.com and sign up for a free trial of NFL Plus today. Uh, all right, Buck, anything you want to jump in here with before we get out of here? Uh, I think I think the Dodgers are one step closer to uh, oh getting uh, that, 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 that win thing. Oh, I will say this, and it's not even anything that's coming on our network, but the, what is it, Uncivil War? that they're talking about Yankees and Dodgers going all the way back to when they had back-to-back -back World Series appearances. It's a little 30 really? for 30. Look, I don't want to give a plug to another thing, but it, it looks fascinating. It looks fascinating. Okay. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. So this is when the Dodgers were winning like more, more than one every 30 years. So this is like, is it in black and white? Is that what it is? Yeah. It's in black and white and it's tough for me because Reggie Jackson was my favorite player going up. So this, this okay. is tough one. I think I might, I'm going to see how tonight goes. If the Padres are not competitive in this game against the Dodgers tonight, I won't go tomorrow night, but if they are competitive, I think I'll go out to Petco. Are we, we got are we, we got our magic number are we still at six. Using, are we still doing these measuring stick games? Is that what we're doing? Are we still doing these measuring stick games for the Padres? I would give anything. Like, come on, I would man. give what anything. Are we doing? What are we doing? I would give anything. Just please, please, please. I want to get the Dodgers oh, in a five-game series. Somehow squeak it out three to two. And, oh, man, I, I, will, I, will, I will be over losing to you with App State Carolina. Losing to you, Chargers, Jags. <laughs> 
Oh man, I would trade it all if the pods could somehow get the Dodgers in the postseason and take care of them. But I, I'm not very confident, to be honest. No, all the confidence is all gone. It's not there, Buck. I'm We're not gonna lie gone. to you, but we'll see. We're playing with house money. We got no pressure. We're good. No tattoos. <laughs> We're gonna win 90 games without the best player in baseball. That's not a bad year. I mean, it's not a bad year. It's not a bad year, but you can't talk about the Dodgers being like the 80s and 90s Braves if you can be satisfied with just racking up a bunch of wins and have nothing oh, to show for. I'm not saying that we're any good. I'm just saying the Dodgers are the 90s Braves. Like, that's not – I mean, I shoot, I'd kill to be the 90s Braves. We haven't been We haven't been anything. So I don't think we've been to the postseason in a full 162 since 2006. I was working for the Ravens in 2006, Buck. Good gosh. Where that's were you in 2006? Uh, I was working for the Carolina Panthers, trying to figure out how we were going to get it done. And we were, yeah, we were like at Cal. You were bringing donuts, and we were looking at people living in trees up at Cal Berkeley, questioning our life choices. That's where we were at that point in time. It's true. <laughs> true story. Exactly. Oh, man. Morning practice. You remember that? Probably up there scouting like oh, Cam Jordan, yeah. all those guys. Yeah. Yeah. God, that's a long time ago. All right, uh, let's get out of here. I appreciate everybody hanging with us today. Uh, we've got one more pod coming this week, uh, so be on the lookout for that. We appreciate you. We'll see you next time right here on Move the Sticks. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.